Hi, I'm Pastor Elise. And I'm Pastor Mary. Welcome to You're On Mute. Hello, listeners. (laughs) We back. We back. We back. Uh, luckily most of the folks who listen regularly know us personally so they yeah so they know we're okay (laughs) we had some major accidents but i I am a little um i am a little offended that there has not been an outcry for more episodes i know have i gotten even one email no saying where have you been where are you guys i need you in my life i know there's just no other podcast for me to listen to. Nothing else for me to listen to. Uh, uh, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, we uh, we, we've had a lot going on in our lives, we especially have. You. It, <laughs> just a little, just a little. Yeah. Give, no, us, life's... A, give us a general scoop, Elise. Oh, is it general scoop? Uh, so the general scoop on my life. Um, uh well um i think this had already happened by the time we podcasted last time but adam and i bought a house in chattanooga and i think i think i finally felt like i got everything in its rightful place like yesterday so (laughs) yeah still trying to figure out the best place to store all the incredible amount of linens that we have i feel like we have eight comforters and I just don't know where to put them. I need to get those like vacuum seal bags or something. Well, you put you put them on your uh, on your wedding registry, right? Some of them, yeah. And then some of them are just comforters. Some people I just... had comforters and blankets that he had. I have gotten. We have departed from a few. I donated some. He was forced to donate some. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, this one has a big hole in it. Yeah, was he strangely was he strangely attached to any of them? Uh, a couple, but uh, it was mostly just because he <laughs> he was comfortable with them and liked them, and so I was like, I get it, but we don't need it. And so, right. and then I and then I tried to give away the same amount, you know, make it as fair mm-hmm. as possible. But right, um, but yeah, but no. So we moved uh, into our place and. Um, like a month and a half later, I found out that my co-pastor slash senior pastor at the church I was at was going to be leaving for a new call. Um, and that certainly kind of turned my my congregation upside down a little bit. Um, we decided that we would go from two pastors to one because it would just financially make sense for us. Um, and so that became this big debate on, well, what do we do about Pastor Elise? Do we just call her into the solo role immediately? Do we make her battle it out with other candidates? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> all of that fun stuff. So so that really super fun uh, decision-making process uh, lasted quite a, quite a while. And um, so let's just say Elise was in no mood to podcast for months. No mood to podcast. No, quite <laughs> busy. Uh, my workload quite literally doubled overnight. Um, and so, yeah, so I uh, really did not have the time or energy, more, more so the energy. Um, been pretty emotionally drained um, the last few months. But um, 
And podcasting decided, is hard work. Well, especially it's hard when work. You, it is hard work, especially when you when you talk about tough stuff and um, oh. you know, when you're the only one in your organization that knows how to edit and post. No, you know, it's, it's just 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 a lot. <laughs> a lot of added things. And so, and, and being uh, this yeah. entertaining and informative really I mean, just my goodness, takes people, it out of us. Y'all don't even know. Ooh. It is not exhausting. Easy. It is exhausting. Yeah. So, uh, I started, <laughs> yeah, I started a new uh, interim place in the middle of January. And um, as my family likes to remind me on a frequent basis, uh, <laughs> This is supposed to be a part-time call uh, in which I'm working time and a half. So yeah, classic uh, <laughs> Mary, but classic Mary, you know, I feel like they need me and uh, <laughs> they do, but they, they need do half time. I don't know. Yeah. Although I told them, I said, uh, just so you know, I have no idea how to do part-time ministry and uh, the pay is okay, but you're just going to have to take me as I am. And they decided that was okay. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. What are they going to say? No, no really please work that. less. Please work less. Please do less for us. Yeah. But uh, I must say, you know, my busyness is also... Um, my decision. And, um, you know, I'm also doing some council retreats and workshops and did a really, really great series with uh, sponsored by the Virginia Senate of the ELCA on uh, an extremely boring sounding topic of records and archives. But it ended up being a smash hit Nice. And uh, we had a lot of people who signed up for it in Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia. And uh, it was a uh, it was four weeks long, every Monday for four weeks for an hour. Boy, oh boy, did we get a lot done. And Ooh. people are still emailing me with questions. Oh, buddy. Well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, Indiana Jones also is somebody that specializes in records and archives. And look how exciting uh, his life is. I know. So, records Gosh, and archives. I didn't think about that. It should be, you should title it Records and Archives, semicolon, not as boring as you'd think. <laughs> well, we did actually um, have a cute name for it. Um, uh, because I got it from my last... Uh, parish administrator. Hey, Becky, who, um, who, when I uh, got into that new interim situation and I asked her, so what's the status of uh, your records? And she said, well, I'll tell you, they're a hot mess. <laughs> and so we worked for over a year in trying to straighten out that hot mess. And I learned a lot. And yeah. so I called the, um, uh, the workshop um, a hot mess, colon, uh, managing your messy and missing records. And so apparently the weekend before the first session, uh, the guy in Virginia who was helping to host me said, I've been getting emails all weekend saying, is it too late to sign up for a hot mess? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> so I love it. That's great. That was so sweet. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no. Uh call Pastor Mary for all of your um no, counsel, don't. Re counsel retreat <laughs> for all your hot messes. Oh yeah, please do. Yes. All I mean, of your I, hot messes. I call you for all of my hot messes. So mm, that's also taking up podcast time. <laughs> That's true. We don't have time to podcast, but I do have time to talk to my mother for hours at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Just not recorded. That's public right. Listening. That's right. Oh, exactly. My gosh. But yeah, we well, also had that. We also had that little thing called Lent, Holy Week, and Easter. Right. Um, which is notoriously a hectic time for pastors and churches. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I'm glad, I am glad we just finally decided to do an intentional pause. Um, and yeah, we did. I don't know if we told the rest of you about it or not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I finally posted the episode with the oh, family, I think I did say, you know, so sorry, everybody, but we're going to go on hiatus here until after Easter. So. I think you did say that. So, you know, and now it's the middle of Easter tide and now it's the middle of Easter <laughs> and here we are. And I, I will try not to take two and a half months to edit this episode. Thank so you. Don't say anything crazy so that I can just post it as is. Yeah. Let's try to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't right. mess it up everybody. I know. Well, shall we uh, begin? Let us begin. Um, you know, a, a little bit of a disclaimer, I think today, um, we are going to be talking about a topic that is unfortunately very much in um, our news cycles and uh, kind of in our faces right now. But for those who might not want to hear about it or just um, really can't face it at this moment, we are going to be talking about the church's response to gun violence. So just a little uh, warning here at the top for anyone who uh, just don't doesn't feel like they can or want to face that at this moment. We mm -hmm. respect that, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. But, right. um, uh, Mom, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off here? What are we? I know you. I know you have a plan. And and what and you mean with my little? What you mean with your, my little cheat notes over here? I know you have your. I know you have your little notes. Your talking points. So I. Um, do yeah. well um it's definitely not any news to anybody that uh, we seem to be having one episode of uh intense gun violence after the other and i say intense um because there are shootings every day um all over the place uh this uh it really a couple of things really hit me in the last week one is that uh, it just hit me in terms of how it's kind of affecting me personally or things that I notice. Mm -hmm. And um, as Gail um, Stern said in our last time, you know, um, when we were talking about anti-Semitism, et cetera, she said, um, when non-Jews start to notice uh, the anti-Semitism, that's when we know it's gotten really bad. Yeah. And um, so I'm starting to feel personally affected by the gun violence. And I'll just say in three ways. One is uh, a couple of days ago here in Columbia, South Carolina, we had a shooting uh, involving a bunch of teenagers in one of our local parks. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. 11 people were injured. Nobody was killed, but 11 people were injured. Nine had gunshot wounds. Two were just hurt trying to escape. And so I'm I'm hearing this all over our local news. And uh, the um, the national news was coming on right after that. And I thought, wow, it'd be interesting to see if this is talked about at all. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Zero. And I thought, that must be because nobody died. Yeah. And um, enough people didn't die. It's like even if one person is killed in a shooting, it's like not a mass shooting, right? Just your regular ordinary shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, so that really, that really struck me. And actually tonight on our local news, they're still talking about it. Um, uh, Still talking about arresting the guys who did it, et cetera. The other thing that gave me a real aha moment this week was I was uh, going to visit somebody at their home that I had not visited before. And I am currently ministering in what really is very much a suburb of uh, Columbia, although I'm sure the people from the town of Lexington <laughs> like to hear themselves referred to that way. But it hasn't been that long ago that it was a pretty rural area. Yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm Google mapping it to this person's house, but I know she sort of lives down a long driveway into the woods. And so I turned where I thought it was and realized pretty quickly as I'm going down this longer driveway and I get to this house that, no, this isn't her place. And I am gonna. I'm trying to turn my car around in what is a pretty small parking pad at the back door of this house, and just all of a sudden, it occurred to me how many people have been shot lately for just going down the wrong driveway or ringing a doorbell at the wrong house. And I thought, no way would I get out of my car and go up to the door and say, hey, I'm looking for Ms. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. Um, is she the next door neighbor or is this her house? Just And I thought, I have never felt that before. Yeah, I would, you know, before that, I would always be scared that there was a dog in the yard or there was a dog <laughs> that was going to come get me. Yeah. Never in my life have I thought about um, somebody might shoot me just because I'm in their driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those were two things that just kind of shook me personally. Um, and you sort of feel victimized, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally victimized. And I'm wondering if that's where a lot of people are. And we all handle that sort of emotional victimization in different ways. Some people just shut down. They stop watching the news. Other people just won't let their kids go out and play anymore. Um, Or sometimes we are just sort of depressed and anxious and aren't sure why. And it could be from things like that. Um, So we wanted to have some conversation today about what's going on. We're not experts in gun violence, although, Elise, you have um, been also up close and personal 
with um, while you don't live in Nashville, you're only a couple of hours away. And that was on national news. And so I'd like to hear a little bit about what you all in Tennessee have experienced. And then lastly, something that we can talk about and should be knowledgeable about is what is the church doing about it? How are we responding or not responding? I wonder what local pastors are doing, um, mentioning it, praying about it on a regular basis, lifting up victims in prayer, you know, maybe having adult forums or something to talk about. I also think there's a lot of fear and anxiety around even talking about it in the church because we are so afraid it's going to be divisive. So that's where my head's at on this topic. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, um, one of the first things that kind of came to my mind while you were talking about, you know, how the incident in the park didn't get any attention was, you know, or national attention, definitely the fact that no one died, right. The fact Mm -hmm. that we're like, okay, only 11 people were shot, but at least no one died. I mean, the fact that that's like our relief is Mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty telling. Um, but I also imagine depending on the race and ethnicity of the people involved, how much attention it got, you know, they were black people. Yep. And so it, that doesn't surprise me that it didn't get attention, which is like even sadder. I mean, I think, you know, when Nashville happened, um, at it was covenant, um, yeah, the school, you might want to just recap what happened. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I don't even know. It feels like, feels like it was forever ago and yesterday, Mm -hmm. but a few weeks ago in Nashville, there's a, there was a school called Covenant. Um, I'm not sure what their full name is, but it's basically a, a, a school run by the Presbyterian church in that area. So it's church adjacent and, um, a young adult who had been a student at that school and had in their mind reasons to be very angry, uh, shot their way into the building. Um, you know, they, we talk a lot about locking schools down, doing all these things. And this person, um, shot their way through locked doors and essentially went on a shooting rampage, you know, with an AR, AK 15, AR 15, um, you know, a um, assault weapon killed three nine-year-olds and three adults um, and injured many others and then was killed by the police. And so, you know, it's, these shootings kind of al- always feel close to home in some way. I mean, mm-hmm. especially when you see shootings at schools, shootings at movie theaters, at churches, um, places you, know, you go, places you go. Right. I mean, um, you know, gun violence used to be kind of centered in either the world of, you know, crime, you know, like you, you know, you would hear of shootings, but it was usually gang related or police shoot or a police shooting somebody. I mean, we don't, I don't even think we can get into police shootings at this point, but, um, or at least today. And then, but, but yeah, it used to be, you know, it used to be that when you'd hear about a shooting and they would say on the news that it was gang related, you would go, oh, okay. 
Yeah. Like, you know, that's far enough. That's far enough away for us. I that's mean, right. You know, so not my, not my people. Right. I mean, I remember, um, I think it was before or either, or maybe during, uh, Colleen's tenure at Evanston high school, but there was a, a student shot across the street from the school who was caught in the crossfire of gang shootings. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of the first time for me um, where it felt very close. And then the shooting of Ricky, Ricky Birdsong was, you know, that was that was certainly one, I think, a, one of the first kind of in our, our recent history, um, you know, hate driven mass shootings where and, you know, for anyone who didn't know, there was a, a, a young man, white supremacist very unstable, radical guy who drove around Evanston and Skokie, which is where I grew up, just north of Chicago, shooting any people of color or any um, Orthodox Jewish folks that he saw. And one of his victims was a friend of mine from middle school uh, who I played basketball with. Uh, It was her dad, uh, Ricky Birdsong. And he died in front of two of his children. They were just out for a jog in their neighborhood um, when he was shot. And so that was certainly, um, I th- I think, my first um, exposure, so to say. Yeah, to- and that just seemed unreal. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like, and then Columbine happened in 99. And, you know, that was kind of the, the biggest school shooting that we heard of. I remember at church at St. Paul's, we had um, someone had cut out either the newspaper clipping or from a magazine, the the yearbook pictures of the Columbine victims. And we had that up on a bulletin board mm-hmm. um, at St. Paul's. And I remember walking by that quite a lot. Um, and now it just feels like every other day, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's shootings. I mean, and they're, you know, statistically, if we were to look at the year of 2023, there have been more mass shootings than days um, in this year. And, um, you know, the definition of a mass shooting is essentially when two or more people are killed in the same incident. And so, you know, a lot of mass shootings are sometimes domestic disputes or they are gang related um, and where they are, they do involve the police. So, but the ones that get the most attention are usually at schools, churches, um, shopping centers, mm-hmm. uh, or, or whichever, you know, like you said, whichever has the highest death count. And right. so the covenant shooting was kind of, um, I would say the next in line of what I would consider are named shootings. So there are these mass shootings that are kind of unnamed, but, when we name them, that's when people remember them. So from now on, when we say the Nashville shooting, um, the Sweet 16 shooting, uh, Columbine, um, people know, you know, exactly what you're talking about because it just gets ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so to kind of go back and how I said they all feel close to home, but this one since it was in Nashville, which is only two hours away from us here in Chattanooga, we had members of our congregation uh, whose grandchildren went to Covenant. Um, Oh, wow. 
And so, you know, or, or had children and grandchildren in Nashville. And so when those first pieces of news come out, school shooting in Nashville, half my congregation seized up and started calling family because they had grandchildren at schools in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then once more details come out, you know, more and more people kind of breathe a sigh of relief and then others get more and more scared. And so we did have, um, one couple in particular whose grandchildren went to covenant or still go to covenant, I think were friends with the children who were killed and their, their children, my parishioners, children, um, uh, went to every funeral and, wow. and, and took their child who was the student, um, at covenant with them. And so, you know, explaining to your nine-year-old, why they're going to six funerals, mm-hmm. three of which have very small caskets at them. I mean, I just can't even imagine how you would do that. And so I talked about it. Um, you know, like you said, it it has become such a political and divisive topic that, you know, as pastors, we get a lot of, you know, kickback when we seem too political. I don't, considering our Bible tells us pretty directly to turn your weapons into plowshares. <laughs> it's hard for me to, to swallow that. Um, but I, I talked about it pretty, pretty clearly and, you know, made my, made my feelings about it very clear. Um, I, I even messaged all of the parents in my congregation the night before to let them know that I was going to be talking about it. Um, yeah, that was smart. You you just don't know what they've told their children. Um, I, on your advice, toned down a little bit of my language. Um, but I can't remember what the gospel was, but it somehow did just fit, um, in, in, and, and helped me helped guide that message. And so, um, a lot of people were very grateful that I talked about it and brought it up. Um, uh, and then there were some people that told me that was dangerously close to being political pastor Elise, you know, you gotta be careful. And my response was, I don't find the murder of children political, right? It's if, if people are going to make it political, then that's, then we're in, we're in much bigger trouble than, than we think Mm -hmm. we are. Um, well, because you, because, you know, you and I would focus on the issue being, um, the violent murder of people mm-hmm. or the violent injuring of people. And the political thing is about whether we can have guns or not, whether, you know, right. and, and how we can have them and how we can use them. And then it becomes a rights thing. Yeah. I find it just really confusing that, that we can't talk about how awful the violence is and find ways to stop it. Mm-hmm. Even if you think that the way to stop it is not about the guns, but about um, getting after um, mental health support. Mm-hmm. Well, why aren't you getting after that then? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So if, if but, that's going to be the excuse that you go to, then support do something about it do something about it exactly it's like you know 
yes, these folks who go off on these killing sprees certainly needed access to mental health. But the fact that it's easier to access an assault weapon in this country mm -hmm. than it is to access mental health care. Right. <laughs> that like, one's more available than the other. Right. I mean, I could go I could go out right now and come home with a gun. Mm -hmm. Like it's that easy. And so, you know, certainly I, you know, another, another effect of, of that shooting that caused national or had national news was the story of the Tennessee three, which yes. were the, the three um, state legislators who um, protested alongside children who were at the <laughs> Tennessee state Capitol. Um, I think my, my favorite, I hate to use the word favorite, but the mm. the chant that I heard in some of the videos that came out was you ban books, you ban drag, but children are still in body bags. Mm. I mean, that'll preach, right? Like, so these three representatives, um, the Justins and uh, Gloria Johnson, um, they, they faced, you know, payback basically for protesting with this group of children uh essentially demanding that the tennessee state legislator um bring about more um sensical gun gun laws and uh the two young men of color were the two that were kicked out of the state legislator and you know i have a lot of respect for representative Glor Rep representative johnson whenever people were asking her after, why do you think you weren't kicked out? And she said, I'm a 60 year old white woman. Mm -hmm. And my two young black colleagues, male black colleagues were kicked out. You tell me why, mm -hmm. you know, I stayed in and she only stayed in by like two votes. Like, yeah, I think it was like one. It was, yeah, it was like one. I mean, it was pretty wild. And they've since been reinstated. But it's because Tennessee became a national laughingstock. I mean, democracy was 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 dying live on air, you know, in in this in this small southern state. And so they've been reinstated. Now the Moral Mondays movement has made its way here. Um, Moral Mondays was started by the Reverend Dr. William Barber and his colleagues in North Carolina with the Poor People's Campaign. Right. And essentially they do movements and and events on Mondays. They call it Moral Mondays. Um, it's made its way all the way to Chicago. There were Moral Mondays events when I was in seminary in that area. Um, a lot of really great grassroots organizers jump on board. And so um, uh, Reverend Barber... And a lot of colleagues from the South came together, gosh, two weekends, two weeks ago, about um, gathered in Nashville while the state legislator was still in session. And um, they carried children's size caskets into mm -hmm. the Tennessee state legislator and uh, basically demanded for, for better gun laws. And Governor Lee, our current governor, Bill Lee, did um write up create support uh um something i don't i should have looked it up beforehand but it made a little bit more sense 
consider, considering all the insane decisions Bill Lee has made recently, um, it did it did make sense and was actually a step forward in the gun control fight, uh, you know, here in this state. And so there was an event downtown here in Chattanooga tonight um, that I couldn't make it to, but basically a rally at one of our big public parks downtown supporting, like saying like, okay, good job, Bill. Like, keep going. You know, we can do a little better than that, I think. Um, so there has been uh, quite a lot of local outcry and support. I mean, the young people in Nashville, I mean, it was it was beautiful to watch in a lot of ways. I mean, I hate that we're relying on our kids and our young folks to do this. I mean, you look at the Parkland survivors who at 16, 17 years old, um, some from their hospital beds, you know, did more for this issue than than people twice their age who actually have national power were doing. Um, mm -hmm. But the kids, the kids in Nashville showed up and um, and it was uh, impressive to see just how brave a lot of them were, um, you know. Well, so so are Nashville. they. Are they continuing in some way? Are they continuing to press for change? Or is it, I feel like so often, at least what you see on the media is, you know, one big rally, one big gathering. Now it's done. We all go home, try to resume our lives. Yeah. And I, I know that there's always stuff. There are always leaders that continue. Um, yeah. But what do you know about that? I think I think in a lot of ways it has died down a bit, but sure. for the most part, well, and now I've got my ear to the ground for it and, I, and mm -hmm. I look for it. And so I think, you know, they're not necessarily making national news anymore, but um, the the other representatives um, that are that are pushing this through are are very active on social media, saying that they're still fighting for this. Um, I think there are still uh, events and um rallies and gatherings kind of happening, you know, little pockets all over the state. And I, and I'm pretty sure there's still uh, a lot of activity going on in Nashville. One of the, the um, sometimes the pause in it is the state legislator isn't in session right now. Um, so they can't, they true. can't, they can't, they'll, they could go to the Capitol, but the representatives aren't there. They're all back home in their districts. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's why, you know, I was talking to some clergy friends here in Chattanooga who are really plugged into the social justice activities around town. And I kind of said, you know, well, what's, what's Chattanooga doing? Like, are we doing anything? Um, because there's quite a huge, quite a large gun issue here in Chattanooga. I mean, every morning I wake up and there's another article about a shooting, um, no, my, it might not be a mass shooting, but but it's it a shooting. shooting. One of our biggest crimes that happens in town is people going through cars looking for guns, because um, a lot of people keep their guns in their glove compartments. And so, um, in fact, <laughs> one of the when Adam and I moved into this house, um, we haven't met very many of our neighbors. I think they're all a lot older. It's kind of an older neighborhood. And so they're not out and about quite as much as we are, you know, walking the dogs and stuff. But this one day I was getting groceries out of the back of the car and, and I could, I heard a truck stopping behind me and I turned around like all excited that one of my neighbors was introducing themselves. And I said, Hey, how's it going? And this guy just kind of leaned out of his truck and said, if you got any guns in your car, make sure you lock them up. People go through the cars around here all the time. And I was just like, Oh, 
okay thanks and, he, and then he's just kind of like welcome to the neighborhood and drove off. and i was just like oh that's my the God. welcome wagon that's the welcome wagon hey go tell that new couple that if they've got guns they need to keep them locked up i'm just like oh my god so yeah. you know it's such a it's, different it's such a different world or at least it feels like it to me i mean you know just partly in the language that you hear um you know, I was just thinking about how, you know, saying the word shooting, much less school shooting, mm-hmm. was just never part of the the lingo, right? It just, yeah. it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, people got murdered and, and all of that, but the random, you know, the random hate of it all. Yeah. Um, And because then, you know, and I think part of the reason that, you know, if if I were to hear back in the day uh, something on the news about how, yes, there was a a shooting in South Chicago. It appears to be gang related, you know, that that certain people were targeted, even though it wasn't right. And I wouldn't want it to happen. The fact that there seemed to be a reason for it, even if it was hate filled. Mm-hmm. That it was because they'd had a fight with each other or they were trying to get drugs from each other or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But the scary part for all of us now is that it's not random. There doesn't seem to be a cause. There's not really a motive. It's just, I'm hurting really badly. I'm going to make other people hurt too. And it's just, it's, you- it's hatred and opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's what it boils down to. And it's not that other countries aren't seeing a rise in these things. I mean, you know, there are certainly violent incidents in other parts of the world, but there are other parts of the world that have far stricter gun laws and it's a Mm -hmm. much harder process to get a gun. Like when you hear of a mass attack in like London it's somebody that had a box cutter on the train, you know, equally is kind of scary and what was going through that person's mind, but they don't kill 10 people. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, and you you look at what happened in New Zealand when they had that, Mm -hmm. their, that mass shooting and immediately within weeks, that government banned assault rifles yeah. And they have they have not had a mass shooting incident since. And that was years ago. And it's just like, what are we so afraid of? And why do we feel like like I don't care if someone has a handgun in their glove compartment because it makes them feel safer, you know, lock mm-hmm. it up. Take a take a gun safety course, whatever. I don't care if you have a rifle because you like to go out and shoot deer in the fall. Mm-hmm. That's and your innocent little ducks. Yeah, and little duckies. I mean, I don't love it. It's not my jam, but okay. But why in the world do you need an assault rifle that is designed to tear people apart? Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing I feel like a lot, like, they're starting to talk about it more. But what so many people don't understand, and the people who do have understood just don't care, these AR-15s and all this kind of stuff, those bullets the way those guns are designed are not made to just shoot through you. It's not like a, a easy through and through like a handgun or whatever. They are meant, 
the bullets are meant to explode as they move through your body. And so because they're designed to make their way through battle armor and they're designed to kill, you know, 250 pound mm -hmm. men on the battlefield, you know, and make their way through cars and tanks and whatever. I mean, imagining what even a single bullet from one of those guns would do to a child. Yeah. I mean, these children are identified by their shoes. Wasn't that the case in Uvalde? Yeah, the green converse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the only way they could they could recognize her. I mean, these parents are are having to identify their children by whatever they wore that day. It's just it's like how you can imagine that and still say, well, I don't care. I'm not giving up my gun. It's like, right. what's, what's the matter with you? Yeah. Oh, well, and, and kind of, and kind of the, it's not about the guns. It's, you know, um, they're just, they're just instruments, you know, and oh, people yeah. choose, people choose yeah. them for evil. Yeah. I saw partly <laughs> true. Or when they're saying they need to arm teachers. It's oh like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I taught high school for two years. We had to do the, the active shooter drill, which we called intruder drills, but we all knew mm -hmm. what they were. If my principal said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a county issued, you know, nine millimeter so that you can shoot someone as they come into your classroom. I'd say, okay, well, could you also buy me some markers and some sticky notes? Because I'm having to go out and buy that myself. <laughs> you know, like, like there was a, there's this great comedian who is a teacher. And so most of her set is about teaching because it is truly a bananas job. And she made that exact joke. She said, she goes, if my principal were to give me a, a you know, county issued Glock, I would use it to go hold up a Staples so that I could buy <laughs> all the supplies I need for my classroom, like don't right. give me a gun, like, and you know, this, this whole, like, you know, guns don't kill people, bad people with guns kill people. I, I would not, we have seen time and again, resource officers, police officers who have gone into these situations and not done anything. I mean, we saw what happened at Uvalde. They, I mean, and, and I don't, crazy. I don't want to like go down this rabbit hole of criticizing the police because I'm not, I, I don't do that job. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have, you know, so I respect folks who go into that work, but at the same time, it's like, if a trained police officer is too scared to go into that situation and try to stop it, why would you expect the untrained teacher to stop that situation? And why would we want our children to normalize seeing more armed people in their school? Right. Like I it's already actually, you know, as a person who volunteers in an elementary school every Friday doing reading tutoring, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have, I think we only have one, you know, resource officer who's there, but I mean, they got all kind of stuff strapped to their body. They have mm -hmm. got, they've got a gun. They've got a taser, you know, and I, 
I freak out at seeing that. It doesn't make me feel safe for some reason. It makes no. me feel scared. Yeah, it makes me feel like worse. what's going to happen and that gun's going to get going to get whipped out. Um, yeah. it, interestingly, just, you know, I do want us to talk about what the church can do. So I'm in a congregation now that um, a pretty interesting mix of people that would consider themselves fairly liberal and people that would consider themselves pretty conservative and um but probably overall they would say we're pretty conservative place so they they are many of them hunters many of those people have guns so it was about the um i had just had kind of a a conversation because we started talking in council one of the things that a lot of churches are encouraged to do is to have an active shooter plan yeah. And so we had just talked about that uh, in a council meeting. And I feel kind of uncomfortable about that as well, because it can often devolve into, all right, how can we train people in our congregation uh, who have concealed carry to be able to defend us all? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had just had that conversation and, um, you know, I had people who asked me right out, so what do you think about this? And I just I just kind of said, you know, I just feel like um, more guns, more violence. And I would not want us to do that. So then here's what happened. So, <laughs> so we had just had this conversation. And the guy who was the one that asked me point, point blank, no pun intended, Mm-hmm. Asked me if, um, you know, what I thought about the whole situation. Uh, it was about 10 minutes before worship was starting. And people were slowly coming in. I was like putting my putting my sermon notes on the pulpit. And I look up and I see two police officers standing in the narthex, which is the entryway to the church, Mm -hmm. standing there. And I mean, the one I could see, you know how they all dress in such black and all the guns are black and you can hardly tell what's what? Yeah, they just kind of look like a transformer. Yeah, they look like a transformer. So I saw this guy and I could tell he had some kind of assault rifle strapped up diagonally across his chest. And I thought, what in the world is going on out there? So I go to the narthex and there are these two police officers there. And my ushers are all standing around like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. (laughs) Apparently what had happened is that at our church, we do have two panic buttons. Mm -hmm. One is in the church office and one is there in the narthex. So one guy was showing another guy how we have this panic button. And he's like, I don't think this thing works. And he's pushing (laughs) the button. Oh no. (laughs) And he's pushing the button over and over. So within five minutes, a police car shows up and these guys are ready to take somebody down. 
So before I get out there, so that's all happened before I get out there. Oh man. And <laughs> the guy who had confronted me in council about what I thought, he said, um, they're all kind of smirking like they have, you know, done like little boys who've done something bad. Yeah. Pulled the fire alarm or something. They pulled the fire alarm. And so <laughs> this guy said, um, he said, when I saw that, when I saw those police officers coming in, I told them, you know, you better, you need to back up closer to the door because you're going to scare my pastor. And I don't want you to scare my pastor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so when I showed up in the narthex, this one officer is totally backed up against the door. <laughs> yeah. At least he listened. <laughs> but you can also tell they were ticked off that oh, yeah. you know they pressed this panic button because I'm sure they were they were their adrenaline was up. Oh, you got here. their adrenaline going, yeah. I know. Oh, you well, know, yeah, church, yeah. church church pushes the panic button, you know, right at worship time. Yeah. So that was my close encounter with the whole thing. So to me, it uh. sort of proved my point. Mm-hmm. And so you guys can't handle a panic button and you think that maybe you can handle you think we you think we weapons, need to strap, strap weapons up our ushers. <laughs> yeah, I mean we had so when I got to Trinity, we realized we didn't really have an emergency action plan written down in mm-hmm. any way. And so I kind of took that upon myself to help write. And so I assembled a little team and, and we met and we, we talked about, okay, what should be in here? And, you know, normally you would, you would hope the first thing someone would say is we should talk about what happened when, when there's a fire, we should Mm -hmm. talk about what happens if a tornado comes through during service or somebody has a heart attack or someone has a heart attack. No, the first thing that came out of everyone's mouth was if we have an active shooter in the church, we need to know what to do. Mm-hmm. That is a bigger concern for people than tornadoes, which are far more common in this part of Tennessee. <laughs> I know. So and, and created... so is and so is older men passing out in church because oh, yeah. they get dehydrated. So exactly. there's that. Exactly. And so and we spent, I mean, kind of a very similar conversation. We spent a long time talking about, okay, you know, I, I'm one, I was of the, you know, mindset of, we just need to show people where to run. We just need to show them how, how to get get to the exits, how to, where are the exits? How should you get there? You know, make sure the ushers know to open all the doors, you know, all these kind of things. We did have one person on said team that was like, well, a lot of our ushers already have concealed carry permits. What if we just encourage them to bring their guns to church? And I was like, because I wouldn't be comfortable with that. I'm like, you really want to be sitting in church I singing Amazing either. Grace and you see a gun on your buddy's mm-hmm. belt? That would not make me feel better. And so, you know, luckily a couple other people agreed with me. And we don't have one of those no guns stickers on our door because Tennessee is a concealed carry state and God forbid. It's really funny what pe- what politics people don't want in their church and what politics they're okay with because mm-hmm. Tennessee is a concealed carry state. And so if we were to put a no guns in the building on the door, that might make people mad. And there are certain people that just have to have their gun with them. 
Even and in I'm church. Sitting, even in church. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know who has a concealed carry in our congregation. And I, for one, don't trust them a one a bit to mm-hmm. fire in a straight line. So mm-hmm. I want to say no on encouraging the guns in the building, not to mention the fact that one of the people who's no longer a member at Trinity, but one of the people who actively threatened me mm-hmm. because of my their their perception of my politics was one of those people who brought guns to church. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there thinking, I don't really need that fear in on me to preach knowing that there's a guy in the back who hates my guts and has a gun in his belt. Yeah. So that's going to be a hard no from me. And we know there are other people that are comforted by that. I mean, I think, I think most pastors, although I, I don't, I wouldn't say this for the congregational members, but I think most pastors are aware that there are men and women in their congregation every single Sunday that have guns with them mm-hmm. and they are loaded Yep. and they are, they think they are prepared to use them. And it's mostly for their self-defense. Yeah. Um, or you know. their self, I don't know. People just think they're Rambo. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I did a wet, I helped out at a wedding a couple of years ago and the father of the bride, like, looked like something out of a G.I. Joe movie. I mean, huge guy, really built, had the Fu Manchu mustache, mm-hmm. the high and tight, very military haircut, walking his daughter down the aisle. The wind caught his suit jacket, blew it back. Not one, two guns, one on each hip. Wow. And I'm like, you're at your daughter's wedding. You have, there are children running around. We were in the middle of the forest. (laughs) There's like the most dangerous thing that could have happened was a deer ran through the, you know, I mean, it was just, it was unreal. And I'm like, that is wild. And every single time this woman who got married that day posts pictures and her dad is in that picture it could be a gender reveal party. It could be a one-year-old's birthday party. It could be another wedding. It could be just a day at the beach. That man has a gun on his hip, if not two. Mm-hmm. I saw him in Walmart once, avoided him because he makes me nervous. He had like knee pads on, for God's sake. I'm like, did you just come off your your shift <laughs> with SWAT? Like, that's the only reason you should be dressed like that. Like, it is. It just makes no sense to me. It's kind of like the modern cowboy, but it's so dangerous. So dangerous. I mean. Well, so then, uh, you know, we can't. um, I was going to say we can't be in control of all that. And yet we need to find ways to respond to it other than just saying not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, But I guess I just feel like. The church is so afraid to talk about anything. Yeah. Uh, it's afraid to talk about guns. It's afraid to talk about abortion. Mm-hmm. It's afraid to talk about mental illness. Um, it's afraid, as you said earlier, I think, to say anything that might make somebody upset. Yeah. 
because getting upset seems to turn to violence pretty quickly. Oh even gosh. if it's even if it's a, even if it's extremely violent language. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe there are no yeah. guns involved, but people will say anything to you. Oh, everyone's fuses are so short. Yeah. I mean, I mean that poor cheerleader, I can't remember what state it was. Oh, yeah. Who went to the wrong car. And mm -hmm. it, it looked exactly like her car. She said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Shut the door. Went back to the car she had been sitting in. And the person from the first car followed her. She's no longer a threat. She was never a threat to begin with. Right. And yet followed her and shot into the car she was sitting in. You know, Why? it seems like. Seems like people that have whether they are gun owners or not. If they have children and teenagers, because children and teenagers are ones that are getting killed a lot, that they would want to try to find ways to stop this madness. But the solution always seems to be we need to arm more people. I need to arm my children so that yeah. they can. But I don't know what the statistic is, but you know, they they often throw out stats about how even even trained police officers who practice firing and target practice all the time, you know, only only hit their target like one third of the time. In a in an intense situation. Yeah. 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 Or I mean, when somebody when somebody's running and you're trying to stop them by shooting yeah. at them. Mm -hmm. Um. So those are the uber trained people. And they can't get it very well. I'm not thinking that, you know, the 80 year old who says, yeah, I was in Vietnam. I got this, you know, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be able to do it. No way, man. And I, I, I wouldn't want bullets flying in church anyway. So, no, I, it, you know, and I think, you know, to kind of get to the what can the church do? Right. I think part I think part of it is we have to stop being afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. Uh, in, I took the, so this last Sunday was good shepherd Sunday. And a lot of folks will just preach on how Jesus is the good shepherd and you know, this and that, um, which I, I touched on a little bit, but I preached about, um, what kind of sheep we are. Mm -hmm. And so there's this great cartoon from, um, the naked pastor that is this little grouping of sheep and then Jesus is walking up to them and has another sheep over his shoulders. And in the cartoon from Naked Pastor, the group of sheep are saying, um, whoa, 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 we kicked her out a long time ago. And then Jesus says, I know I found him and brought him back. And the sheep has like the trans flag on it. Oh, so I to kind of make it a little more universal was it I redrew the, the cartoon I made the sheep on Jesus's shoulders green just to mm -hmm. you know, visualize the difference. And, but it was the same dialogue. I just changed the pronouns to them. Mm -hmm. And so about two thirds through my sermon, I changed it to that slide of that cartoon. And I said, you know, people are leaving Christianity in droves and it's not because of our shepherd. It's mm -hmm. because of, it's because of the other sheep they're being, you know, they're being kicked out of the flock kind of thing. 
And I knew that that would, you know, maybe push a few buttons. You know, I wasn't accusing my congregation of not being welcoming, even though they have, you know, some room to grow in that area. Mm -hmm. But it was so amazing to me how many people came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for being willing to make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, man, when that, when you put that cartoon up, oh my gosh, I just like, that just really was like, you know, a really cool moment, you know, kind of thing. And I'm sure I pissed off a few people, but they left. They didn't tell me they were mad yet. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's more people than we think willing to be uncomfortable and who are actually raving to hear from pulpits and in prayers and in songs and in laments these issues. Yeah. I mean, more often than not, if I throw in a prayer about a recent shooting, if I throw in, you know, part of my sermon talking about it, I get more thank yous than Mm -hmm. like angry. I can't believe you said that. Right. And I think, you know, for one thing, church should be contextual and it's just Mm -hmm. a sad truth that gun violence is in our context. It's the leading cause of death for children. Right. I mean, that statistic alone should bring any. That should scare you. That That should should make you. you. It should absolutely terrify you. Um, Well, I think, I think you are, um, you know, you are right. And, um, you know, older people, um, get a bad rap sometimes. We always put them in the conservative category. Mm-hmm. Um, the folks that don't want to change. And um, I had a sermon as well about um, being a shepherding church. And um, it was, I only really heard from a couple of people, but they were both women in their 70s or 80s who basically said that was absolutely brilliant. You know, thank you for doing that. Who preached it better? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, and it's, it's true. You know, we got to think about those people too. We're always so worried about the people that are going to blow up. Um, Yeah, but we got to think about the people who need it, who need to hear it. Well, you know, know, I've, I've had some, I've had some lay people tell me that, you know, their pastor never mentions anything in the prayers about gun violence or mentions any, like when Uvalde happened, especially. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and here we are well past it, but, mm-hmm. you know, in its little day, it was quite the story. Um, lots of people were just horrified at all the details about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one lay person was telling me, you know, you know, Uvalde has not been mentioned once in our congregation. Um, and this was like a couple of weeks after it. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're wondering, you know, what's going on? Are you just like not attentive to mm-hmm. things that are happening or think that it's not a, you know, that it's not your job to, to lift those things up in prayer. If you are wondering that, I'm just, I'm looking at my, you in the camera and saying, yes, it is your job Mm -hmm. to lift these things up. And I think we can do it in ways that aren't, 
directly offensive that understand that people are coming from different places, but shoot, we can't be mad about, about little kids getting shot up in school. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for being upset about that and praying to God that we find a way for it to end. Yeah, no way. (laughs) I mean, it's just, if, if you're, it's the same way when people say, if your faith encourages you to hate people, you're doing it wrong. So it's like, if your politics encourage you to support a system where children can't go to school without fear of being shot, you're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. Right. Like, I, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, there, there are certain things that I feel very strongly about, but I'm willing to have patience as I talk to someone who maybe doesn't have the same information I have, or just really feel strongly on the other end of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is just one of those things where I just, I just don't get it. It's really hard for me. To, it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand because it's, it's irrational. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like, you know, you, you, you're sitting with your congregation and everyone, no matter what side of the aisle they line up on, you know, is, is grateful to be praying for, you know, these, these children who were killed and their teachers and, and these families and, and, and families and all of that. But then they go out and, you know, they have the, you know, second amendment is, you know, whatever on their car and they vote for people who don't and buy their six laws. year old grandson, a rifle for Christmas. Right. Exactly. And it's like, you know, okay. So you were sad at the loss of life, but when you prayed for a solution, you know, you weren't, you didn't, you, you weren't praying for the same solution I was praying for, mm-hmm. you know? And well, it's like, and of course that's the way prayer is, right? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and there are some places, some faith communities that are kind of, you know, I think talking about it is the first step and it certainly should not be the last. Right. And so, you know, there are places that are many steps ahead um, for people who are familiar with him, um, Shane Claiborne is an author, uh, a Christian author who's also, um, uh, you know, really a real social justice leader, lives in Philadelphia, and he's part of an organization that um, has gun collections where you can drop off your gun with them, like mm-hmm. no questions asked. Like they don't ask any questions. They just have like days where they set up and they have this big bin and you can come and turn in your gun and like walk away. And then they have artists and um, craftspeople who turn those guns into useful items. So they quite literally will take hunting rifles, AR-15s, handguns, whatever, and they will melt them down turn them into gardening tools <laughs> they they take you know the wooden you know rifle um uh butts handle they, or butt or what a, um... handle butt whatever it is and they turn them into crosses i mean they mm-hmm. and they sell this stuff on their website and you know so they are quite literally turning spears into plowshares mm-hmm. um and it's a very cool thing i'll I'll try, I'll look up or I'll, I'll post when I post the episode, I'll, I'll post oh, yeah, that would be great. on their website. So, you know, oh. there are, there are faith communities doing things on the full spectrum, you know, and yeah, I just think there are, but 
I think, and I know, think we can learn from each other on that. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't all have to try to create everything from scratch. Right. And and exactly. one person's good idea can be an idea that we use, and one person's courage can be something that empowers us. Yeah. Um, but I worry about us as church and as um, as church leaders becoming so apathetic that we we really use, lose the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, if um, I don't know, I just you know my my constant refrain is I just feel like I see way too much depression and anxiety. Um, in the church and we can't let this stuff crush us yeah so that that's my my hope for us i think the reminder that you know the messiah that was expected was this grand warrior Mm -hmm. and we got a peace-loving hippie on a donkey (laughs) and so you know it's like if yeah i mean gosh i i think i i think i use that that image, you know, probably every other sermon. So I probably need to get new material, but it just like feels so um, important to draw ourselves back to that. Like people expected a warlord and got mm-hmm. a rabbi and got a rabbi, a homeless right. rabbi. Like, you homeless know, and it's like he, he, he told his followers to put away their swords, you know, like, yeah, it's, it just blows my mind at how Christianity is used to justify things Mm -hmm. that would have turned Jesus's stomach. Yeah. I mean, just it, the division, the bigotry, Mm -hmm. the violence, I mean, the selfishness, the selfishness, like, you know, yeah. And so it just, Whenever, whenever someone tells me I'm getting too political in my preaching, I'm like, um, do you know who you worship? (laughs) Like, do you know who Jesus was? Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and so those are people that I think feel guilty because they know in their heart of hearts, whether they realize it or not, whether it's subconscious or not, that they are not, they are worshiping an idea of Jesus that is not even near who he really was mm-hmm. or, or who the gospel tells us that he was. And there's gotta be some guilt associated with that, you know? And so, well, I just, be, I think that might yeah. be a big dangerous assumption on my part, but you know, well, I like, think for sure, I think for sure there's a lot of fear out there and that part of what we disagree about is how to manage that fear. Yeah. And so for some people it's arm yourself to the teeth because then you can feel really strong and you know, you can be the, you can be the Rambo type. And there are other folks that say, you know, I trust that God will provide and protect, you know, that's the good shepherd image. Yeah. And um, you know, and that, you know, violence, violence just begets violence. But we disagree on that. But I think, yeah. I guess I would encourage um, myself and, you know, my colleagues in the church and lay people in congregations to ask for a conversation. 
about all kinds of things, but this is definitely one. It just, it's there every day. Mm-hmm. And um, unlike some of the other issues that are also there every day, this one is covered in people's blood. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, people have just died. Yeah. And, you know, families are torn apart. And we have nothing to say about that. Yeah. Shame on us. I mean, <laughs> we've got to, we've got to get with it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just lastly would hope that we would all be um, brave and we would be um, encouraged that we would support each other. Um, it can be a lonely thing to say, um, you know, to be the only uh, the only pastor who says, "Okay, let's just everybody get together and we're going to talk about this really, really tough issue." <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. But maybe, yeah. but maybe if you know three churches did it together, mm-hmm. it would be easier. It probably would be. Yeah. Um, but I so mean, that's fact, what that's what I would the, hope. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's happening daily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're so right. I I just while you were talking, I Googled most recent mass shooting and there's a, a website called the gun violence archive. Mm-hmm. And as I'm scrolling, Ooh, there was a five day gap between the 23rd and the 28th where there was no mass shooting. But yesterday, April 30th, there was a mass shooting in Lafayette, Louisiana, where one person was killed and five were injured. There was a mass shooting in Alabama, in Birmingham, where four people were injured and none were killed. There was a mass shooting in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, where three were injured and one was killed. There was a mass shooting in Mojave, California, where four were killed and none were injured. There was a mass shooting in Athens, Georgia, where three were injured and one was killed. There was a mass shooting in uh, Pattaka, Kentucky, where four were injured and none were killed. There was a mass shooting in Bryan, Texas, where four were injured, none were killed. There was a mass shooting in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, where four were injured and two were killed. There was a mass shooting in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where five were injured and one was killed. That was yesterday. Wow. And, you know, (laughs) that reminds me of it's probably been about two months ago here in my little suburb of Irmo, South Carolina. Um, There was a woman who was shot in the parking lot of my grocery store, um, Mm -hmm. the the Kroger. And so I wanted to um, and it was just like two women sort of fighting in the parking lot and one just pulled out a gun suddenly and just shot her in the head in front of her baby. Yeah. And so I was wanting to, I wrote a, um, I wrote a blog about it for my Ponder Anew. And so I wanted to find a picture of, um, of that store. So I get on Google, my Google search. And I type in the words shooting at the Kroger grocery store. And before I could even put in the name of my town, about 10 to 12 
shooting at the Kroger in this place, shooting at the Kroger in this place. Shooting at... <laughs> that really freaked me out too. So yeah. I finally found my store um, mm -hmm. listed in shootings at, but I was thinking it would be the only one. No. Nope. I mean, I do, you know, I do a lot of work in the homeless community and there are certainly some areas of town I go into that are not the best, but I mean, I've been sitting in one of our homeless camps leading a worship service and guns have gone off less than 50 yards away from me. I mean, mm. and the folks who live there regular, like all the time, don't even flinch. And, you know, I was there. It's the background noise. It's a background noise. I mean, I hear gunshots in our neighborhood all the time. Um, mm. And I, but, you know, I also was there at one camp last Sunday and Monday morning, one of my friends who does outreach let me know that they were down at that same camp where someone had gotten shot in the head the night before, probably within an hour after I left there. And there was still blood and brain matter on the ground. Oh gosh. Where he had, where he had laid waiting for, uh, an well, it's just it's like, a, it's like a war zone. Yeah, it really Which is. A lot of people around the world live with this stuff all the time. And I know, you know, I mean, yeah. I know we didn't think it would be like this in America, but here we are. I mean, it just feels um, like we've, it feels like we've chosen it, you know, and now we're or just let, let it happen. Or yeah, well, like you said earlier, we've just been apathetic about it. And now we're in this mm -hmm. like trap. Well, I think my final words would be, you know, let's not choose apathy, um, but at least let's invite a conversation about it. And just like I said, you know, be brave about it because it's, mm -hmm. it's so important. It really is. You know, Thanks for all I'm, your, Elise. Yeah, you too, mom. I think, um, you know, just being brave enough to speak up is a big deal right now. And, you know, it there's is. the, the very, the very famous quote of, um, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically silence only works in favor of the oppressor. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're worried about it, make some noise. I don't care if I don't care if you just buy a t-shirt that says protect kids, not guns, wear that thing. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll inspire somebody to speak up in their context. So hopefully, you know, we weren't, uh, I mean, I know I, I got a little heated a couple of times. I'm clearly feeling a lot of things about this topic, but hopefully everybody stuck with us and, uh, you know, hopefully we all can make, um, make strides towards a more peaceful, mm -hmm. peaceful community, peaceful community for everybody and live into the idea of love and justice that Jesus so mm -hmm. badly, um, you know, tried, wanted for us. And so That's right. um, keep, keep doing the work, everybody. Yep. Go make peace out there. Be the, blessed be the peacemakers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, We'll, uh, thanks mom. We'll pick a lighter topic for next time and, uh, we'll see y'all soon. Have a good one. Thanks everybody. Bye.